Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. This is our third and last episode on Psalm 115. Remember, Psalms 113 through 118 were traditionally sung by Jews during Passover. These would have been psalms on the lips of Jesus the night that he was arrested because it even tells us in Matthew 26, 30 that Jesus and his disciples sang a hymn before Jesus went out to the Garden of Gethsemane. They would have sung many hymns that night before and after, and this was part of their observance of Passover. It's kind of cool to think that the Psalms we're looking at now, in Psalm 115 today in this episode, these words were on the lips of Jesus the night that he gave his life, the night that he was willingly arrested, allowed himself to be arrested, beaten, tried, and crucified. And so in some ways, obviously because Passover was a pointing forward to Jesus, a foreshadowing of the wrath of God passing over us by the blood of the Lamb. And we see that whole ritual as pointing toward the bigger story of the gospel. And these Psalms, as part of that ritual, are pointing forward to the truth of the gospel. These are just another amazing way to see that always the Bible has been telling us one story. One story of redemption through Jesus Christ, God's creation, the purpose for his creation, the rebellion of humanity against God's glory, against God's rule, against God's will. We want to be our own glory, live for our own glory, be our own authority. And there's been dust and thistles and thorns and death ever since. But the Bible has this story of redemption, restoration, recreation, resurrection in Jesus, God becoming human, God becoming the human heir of what God had promised humanity in the first page of the Bible in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, that human beings created in God's image would rule over and subdue. And that word implies some resistance. So I don't know what the original plan was, but there's always going to be some resistance in the kingdom of God filling the earth. And that's what this whole plan is. When Christ comes back, he's the king, the human king. God has become the heir of his own blessing to give to humanity so that he can be the one who guarantees it rather than having to be guaranteed it by flawed, deception-prone human beings. We've been newly created in Christ. That has begun now. It will be finalized at the resurrection. This is the story from the first page of the Bible to the last page of the Bible. And one of the things that we do when we worship God, when we want to spend time in prayer, is we want to lift up our eyes and see our lives vertically, rather than just horizontally. If you've been listening to this podcast, this is not the first time I've talked this way. I just want to remind you, the purpose of prayer is not to ask things of God, although that is part of it. It is not the end goal. The end goal of prayer is worship, putting ourselves in the context of the reality of who God is and all that God is for us and has promised to us in Christ. So prayer is reprioritizing, repurposing, refocusing our life on reality. If God is the creator of this universe, 
that means that the most important thing we can do to live in the reality of this universe is to live a God-conscious life, to have a sense of God's presence, a sense of God's glory. And in this first verse of Psalm 115, it says, Not to us, O Lord, that's Yahweh, the I am, he is, literally in Hebrew, not to us, he is, not to us, but to your name, Yahweh, he is, give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. When we live a vertical life, we're recalibrating our life. We're rebooting our perspective, our mood, our attitude, our beliefs, what we trust in, who we trust in, the narrative we see our lives in, in the context of God's glory, the context of God's radiant presence, his glory, the God that created this universe. And I always imagine in my head pictures of the universe and to think the God that created this universe is the God that is 100% present with me right now, focused on me with steadfast love and faithfulness. He has a story for me that he's calling me, summoning me into. And do I want to listen? Do I care enough to lift up my eyes and to see him, and the way the Old Testament describes that is to fear the Lord, to have this sense of in awe, this sense of reverence, that I live a life conscious of his approval, his presence, his glory, the importance and significance and the weightiness of who he is as being far greater than trying to please or seek pleasure by anything else. Fearing the Lord is lifting my eyes and seeing my life vertically, not just horizontally, not just the things, the circumstances of my life and the people on the horizontal level. I'm living vertically by looking up and now I see three-dimensionally, we could even say four-dimensionally, everything that God is doing in my life as part of his bigger story. So Psalm 115 verse 3, just as a reminder, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. It's the kind of view we want to have when we see vertically. God is present everywhere. He is always present. He is never limited by circumstances. He controls all circumstances. And I'm seeing my life in the context of his care, his will, his sovereignty, his presence, his glory. And then we looked at in the last episode, Psalm 115, talking about what happens when we don't see vertically is we get tripped up by trusting in idols. This thing inside of us called sin, called idolatry, whatever it is that refuses to acknowledge God's authority in our life and the goodness of God's will for our life is always trying to trust in something else for our flourishing, for our thriving, to meet our needs, for our security, for our meaning, our sense of worth. But Psalm 115 tells us that the more we trust in these idols, the more our life is filled even more with longing, dust and thorns and thistles and death. So those who make idols become like them, it says in verse 8, and so do all who trust in them. Trust is that key word. It's repeated over and over. If we wanted to find repetition in this psalm, and that's always important to look for, the word trust would be one of those words that is repeated over and over. Whether or not we will trust in the I am or we will trust in idols for our security and our meaning and our value and our worth and our satisfaction. 
So when we worship God, we want to lift our eyes toward the heavens, so to speak, lift our eyes up and to see the presence of the glory of Yahweh, the glory of He is everywhere around us, focused on us, without being any less focused anywhere else. He's the I am. He's everywhere. He is infinite. But He is focused on us, caring for us with His steadfast love and faithfulness, summoning us into His glory, the dignity, the radiance, the wonder, the enchanted reality in a good way of God's glory filling our lives and seeing vertically and not just horizontally. This is the will of God for us. And when we pray, we're reminding ourselves He is our trust. He's the one who is our, well, the words that are repeated here in Psalm 115, our help and our shield. Worshiping the I am versus worshiping an idol comes down to our trust. What are we trusting in? Who are we trusting in for our help and our shield, our security, our sense of meaning and value and worth and satisfaction? And so that repeated phrase we looked at in the last episode that ends with verse 11, you who fear the Lord, who fear Yahweh, who fear he is, trust in he is. He is their help and their shield. He is your help and your shield. Trust in him. Lift your eyes. Recalibrate your perspective. See right now the horizon in front of you with the glory of God. See right now the circumstances in your life with the steadfast love and faithfulness of He is focused on you, never absent from your life. Whatever else you turn to is going to leave you with nothing in the end. Psalm 112 ended with that phrase, the longings of the wicked. Now, the wicked here are those who worship idols. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. So what idolatry does is appeal to our longings, our insecurities, our desire for identity and meaning and security and worth. These are all God-created desires. They're all good desires. They've been completely twisted and deformed and confused by our sin. So instead of finding these in Christ, finding these in the I am, we're trying to find them in idols. And the longings, when we do that, our longings will come to nothing. We will get one big nothing burger in the end. Over and over, the Bible's trying to tell us this. Over and over, we see these signposts on the highway of life telling us that the desire of those who find their identity and their security and their worth and their value and their meaning and the satisfaction of their longings in anything besides Yahweh and trying to find it in something else that's a deceptive imitation of Yahweh is going to leave you with nothing in the end. It's a dead end. It's never going to satisfy. But that first verse in Psalm 112, blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commandments. In other words, his will. We find delight because we understand he is the giver of life. He is the source of all existence. Life comes from him. He's the source of joy. Joy comes from him. There is no true joy outside of the source of joy. There is no true well-being and flourishing outside of the source of all that exists and the source of all life. The imitation is a cheap copy that's not real. You grab for it and it breaks. 
And with that idea of blessed are those who trust in Yahweh is where this Psalm 115 now goes. It says in verse 12, let me read it. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. That word bless is obviously the repeated word there. Blessed is that word Jesus uses in the Beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They're the ones who are going to be fulfilled. This idea, this biblical word of blessed, the first verse of the Psalms, the first word of the Psalms in Psalm 1, blessed is the idea of thriving, of flourishing, of joy, of fulfillment, of abundance, having our desires fulfilled. So the Lord has remembered us, and here's the promise. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. Now, these all become synonyms for all those who are in Christ. Remember, the New Testament says, we are Israel. We are Judah. We are the ones who are in these promises. All the promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are fulfilled in Christ, and those in Christ inherit those promises. We become grafted into the people of Israel. So when you read these Psalms, read it to you. The Lord has remembered you. He will bless you. He will bless the house of Israel. That's you. He will bless the house of Aaron. That's you. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and the great. God's glory becomes his blessing to his people. He brings us into his glory. He brings us into his thriving, flourishing fulfilling joy. Remember, Jesus says, I came that you might have joy and have it to the full. I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Everything else is going to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give you life. God's whole will for you is to give you life, to give you flourishing, to give you joy, to give you gladness, to bring you into the joy of his glory to bring you into the joy of his blessing. But you have to believe him. You have to believe his word, to turn to him, to trust in him. And so verse 11 says, May the Lord give you increase. The only way to thrive is by Yahweh, by he is blessing you. May the Lord, may he is give you increase. When God is your glory, your life will increase with the joy and the radiance and the wonder and the enchantment of God's glory. Enchantment in a positive way. This wondrous, glorious transcendence begins to be the context of more and more of the moments of your life. Verse 15, may you be blessed. And that's the fifth time that word is used here. This important repetition. May you be blessed by Yahweh, by He is, who made heaven and earth. So here's the thing you have to think through logically. Those of you listening to this podcast believe in God. None of us have this confident 100% faith because we can't see God. 
But we believe that Jesus was real, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead. This is why Christianity started. This is why we even have a New Testament. And these are the promises that we believed because of the witness of the Holy Spirit in our lives and because it's the only thing that makes the most plausible sense out of the human condition. It's the only justification for morality. It's the only justification for the things that we see true in human condition. And so we have this sense that we believe that God created the universe. And if you believe that God created the universe, who would you rather be blessed by? The creator of the universe or something created that's going to die that doesn't have the ability to deliver its promise. It's really hard for us to think logically about our lives, but if we did, we would want to pursue the I am. He is as our joy, as our identity, as our meaning and our worth and significance, and the one who satisfies our soul. May you be blessed by he is who made heaven and earth. Verse 16, the heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. Here's a key truth in all the Bible that begins on page one. God has created humanity in his image, and he has given us the earth to rule over. He has given us his creation to exercise rule over, to rule with God, to reign with God. Remember the last page of the Bible says that we will, those in Christ, those resurrected and part of the kingdom of God will reign on earth with him forever. Here's the story of the Bible. God has given us, still it's true, it hasn't been forfeited, it hasn't been lost, it's just in a time of hiatus while we have this fallen darkness over the earth And we still rule, but we rule with confusion. We rule with dysfunction. We rule with darkness. We have this desire to exercise dominion, but it becomes exploitation and greed and immorality and slavery and racism and corruption. Exploitation of all the things that are meant to be flourishing, we use for our own greed and selfishness. This is the world we live in now. One kingdom conquers after another. But Jesus is the true human king, and he is not giving up on plan A. He has given the earth to the children of humanity. That's why God became the king of humanity, to fulfill that promise and to bring that inheritance back for us. This is the glory that he brings us into. This is the story that we have no idea, the wonder, the glory, the flourishing, the radiance of a resurrected world and resurrected bodies. The heavens of the Lord's, it says, the heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. Verse 17, the dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. That's the alternative besides trusting in Yahweh is death, silence. Verse 18, but the last verse, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forever, forevermore. Praise the Lord. When we believe in God's story, we don't have FOMO. We don't have the fear of missing out. The only missing out is happening by those who miss Yahweh. We have this promise that we will be blessed. We will be blessed. He will bless. He will bless. This is the story that he's calling us into, summoning us into. A bigger story that goes back thousands of years and in the future forevermore. You have no logical alternative for life, for blessing, but to trust in the I am who made heaven and earth as your blessing, as your glory, trusting in his steadfast love 
and faithfulness. Lifting your eyes right now and saying, God, the I am, you are, you are, he is. You are the source of all that exists. You are the giver of all life. Life is found in only you. Joy is found in only you. You are the one who brings all into existence. And all the good that exists that my soul longs for comes from you. You are the source of true security. You are the one who brings true identity to me. You are the one and the only one who truly makes my life meaningful, fills my life with significance. The significance of your glory, the glory of the God who made heaven and earth, the glory of the God who created this universe is the one who puts glory on my life, who makes my life a life of glory and beauty. And I want to live in your story. I want to live in the forevermore story, not the dead end story of idolatry, not the dead end story of resisting you, ignoring you, not seeing you as the overarching context of every moment in my life. That's a dead end story. I'm being fooled. A spell is being cast over me rather than the truth of your glorious world and this glorious, wondrous story that begins on page one of the Bible and shows us on the last page of the Bible the story of forevermore, of your presence, of your redemption, restoration, recreation, joy, and the removal of all evil and brokenness and pain and death and thorns, and thistles, and the dust that comes from trying to flourish apart from you. It's so stupid to try to flourish apart from you. Why do I do it? But I trust in your steadfast love for me. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe your word. I'm going to believe you when you speak. I trust in your faithfulness toward me. I believe you when you say it. I trust that only your glory satisfies my longing for glory and significance. I trust that you are my help and you are my shield. I trust that you will bless and that your blessing is the only real blessing that lasts forevermore. You will bless me. You are the one who will give me increase, who will give me flourishing joy that cause my life to thrive. When you are my glory, my life will increase in glory. And Paul says that you have already glorified me in the future resurrection that is in Jesus. You are my king, and I am a co-heir with Christ. I will be blessed by he is who made heaven and earth. I will bless the I am from this time forth and forevermore, because I live in a forevermore story in your story. From this time, from this moment, I lift my eyes and I praise you, and I give thanks to you for this promise. I give thanks to you that you have spoken in your word. I give thanks to you that your Holy Spirit lives in me. Your Holy Spirit is softening my heart toward you, summoning me toward you, and speaking to me by your word, bringing life to my dark soul by your word, bringing resurrection into my dark soul by the power of your word and the light of your Holy Spirit and your steadfast love and your faithfulness overcoming darkness in my life one day at a time and transforming me from one degree of glory to another as I contemplate your glory. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18,
I become more and more like you when I live in your glory, when you are my glory, when I fear you more than anything else in the awe and the, and the lifting my eyes to praise you, to want to please you, to not be ashamed of you, but to live for you, to not fear others' rejection by being faithful to you. I fear you more than I fear the rejection of others by being faithful to you. And I thank you for this promise that you give to me. And I live in right now, today, this day and forevermore. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.